2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helfen.
1: Hey, everybody, it's John and Welcome to the November 15th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek's here with me, and we're going to um, preview the week 11 game, starting with his Packers. Are you excited about this Thursday night game? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am. I, I I think it's a good matchup. I think it's fun from a fantasy perspective, whether you're playing single game or whether you just have guys going early in the week. It's you know, well above average in terms of the typical Thursday game. I am. I I think Seattle just having to go out to what is it Quest Link Field with the official name, whatever the dumb sponsor is that has that. It's like a house of horrors for the Packers, though. Yep. Like I, I I really the NFC Championship game from a few years ago is forever embedded in my mind and I will always think of that failure when the Packers have to go into Seattle.
1: I don't blame you. That's what I would think of. That's what I think of and I'm not a Packers fan.
2: Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like yeah. That, that's one of the worst games I think I've ever lived through as a fan. I hope I, I, hope I never experience anything quite like
1: that again. I, I, I can't imagine because I was almost curled up in a ball watching it. <laughs> as, you know. as as a neutral observer it, it almost wrecked you because you're going you're watching a team i mean it was fun for the seahawks but when you see a team self-destructing like that you're going oh no oh no 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 but you still i kept looking going "Ah, still though there's not enough time but then that onside kick thing happened and there
2: you have it it was it was that game and when you when you go back and re-watch it or if you think back through it that was that was death by like 20 cuts yeah like there there was like any one of 20 things that could have gone differently that would have been enough for the Packers to not lose that game. But all 20 of them happened. Like the Seahawks hit the ridiculous parlay to pull off that comeback. Yep. The-
0: all right. So
1: for tonight, um, is is we have all been on the Aaron Jones train for a long time. Are we firmly convinced that Mike McCarthy's on it?
2: It really seems that way. I mean, the performance against Miami last week, if that's not convincing enough to solidify the role, then nothing really could be um i think the the tricky thing is that it's still more of like a 18 touch role. you know 15 carries can be three catches it's not it's not a workhorse sort of role. it's not it's not what Gurley or connor or kareem hunt necessarily gets i guess hunt has been scaled back a little in the passing game this season uh but as far as trusting him i mean i i'm in season-long leagues you're definitely using him in in showdown slates i think you can throw him in there tonight i think what you see is what you get. I don't think there's one more level coming as far as volume goes, but we have to figure out where is his efficiency going to, to settle in with more touches. I mean, he's at 6.8 yards per carry this season after getting five and a half as a rookie last year. Like what, what is Aaron Jones's baseline? I mean, is he, is he like a Jamal Charles type as far as the rushing efficiency goes? Like, is that actually who he is or is, is it going to be something more reasonable in the long run? Like that, that's the question that I'm kind of wrestling with when it comes to Aaron Jones now.
1: All right. Um, folks, last three games for Aaron Jones, 13 touches. Sorry, 14, 16, 18. And last week, yeah, they were winning steadily, but two games before were very close. and He was still running, so um, good things happening. The Rotowire weekly projections have him at RB12. That's pretty aggressive.
2: Yeah, that's probably about right, though. It's an offense that scores a lot. He's got 75% of the snaps and about the same percentage of the touches. So that that makes sense.
1: Okay. Um, So receiving-wise, Randall Cobb out. So uh, more of the Marquez Valdez-Scantling for us. Um, Chris Carson back for the Seahawks. So we need to now avoid, again, this entire Seattle backfield. Because Penny did well last week, and everybody got excited, and people picked him up. And now Carson's back and it's like, no, thank you. Right. I have no sense of what their hierarchy is
2: right now. three guys. I mean, they've, they've all played well enough where you can, you can justify going any direction, but then they've all played well enough where you have a hard time justifying not using one of them. Uh, Penny's probably the easiest one to kind of push aside just because he's done it less than Davis and Carson have, but, i'm I'm with you this is an avoid if you can sort of scenario Uh, especially with it being the thursday night game too you'd be kind of in a bad spot if carson was your first running back in off the bench and you had some injury trouble at running back this week where things are looking a little sketchy heading into the weekend having to make that call tonight is far from ideal uh i i would err on the side of caution and probably look elsewhere if you can
1: i have uh De- mike davis in my fishbowl lineup because i have eight people on by
2: yeah okay i mean like in that thats a, but that's like the deepest league that most of us play in right
1: eight eight people
2: whatever <laughs> did you did you just kind of not think about buys when you were drafting or did I, you intentionally I, say I don't care?
1: I, I basically the only thing I did was with my quarter with my quarterbacks I just made sure that they weren't on the same buy and after that I just kind of said, you know, be fine. I'm just going to take the best player and figure it out later. Okay. And, yeah, I mean I, mean, I have reasonable. players who are who can be I mean Mike Davis will still probably get, you know, eight carries somehow. But yeah, it's going to be a struggle this week. I have James O'Shaughnessy as my starting tight end. Ooh, that's probably not good. No, so you have Kittle, Herndon, uh, Josh Gordon, Tom Brady, uh, someone else here. I don't know, Chubb. It's terrible.
2: Yeah, that that's. I mean, that's not. It's not great. That's, uh, it's uh, it's not great. I'm playing Nick Vinette at tight end this week. If that makes you feel any better, nice. but
1: he got a touchdown last week.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's not getting a lot of volume, but um, well, it's it, it's funny. I've got him and Jordan Thomas. You, you can tell I didn't have a good plan at tight end in this league coming into the season, and that I'm chasing waiver production. Uh, and those two guys, I mean, they're just they're very TD dependent right now. They're not getting a lot of targets. So uh, the angle for me is that Nick Vanette would be a slightly better play because I expect more points in the Seattle Green Bay game. It's just a slightly better yep. offensive scenario overall.
1: All right, so uh, which. Is there a Seattle wide receiver that's the play? Or do you, with I mean, with King out, and I know uh, Jackson's been okay, right? Yeah, been pretty good. They like him.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's he's played well. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin to me is still on the upswing. I I've been disappointed by what we've got so far this season from him because I've taken some shots in, in DFS with him. Um, I stayed away in, in season long leagues because I just it didn't it didn't seem like the price fell enough with, when he had the knee injury coming through training camp and into the preseason. But he's playing a ton of snaps. He's on the field a lot. Uh, so nine catches over the last two games, only nine targets. You'd think they'd maybe increase that a bit. Uh, I think he's still going to be productive. I, I still have a hard time sitting him down if I did have him in a season-long league where I got to start three receivers, especially with the, the bye weeks we're dealing with this week. And I think Tyler Lockett, whose volume has been low also, is more of a, a roundup sort of guy this week because i think his speed presents significant problems for that green bay
1: secondary okay um before we get to the rest of the games everybody uh, check us out on twitter derek is at derek van Riper. i'm at Jay halpin 37 you can also tweet us at rotowire you can get player updates at rotowire nfl or you can find us on facebook buys as i mentioned six teams on by bills browns dolphins jets 49ers pats as i said to jake the other day a bunch of bad quarterbacks right a bunch of bad fantasy quarterbacks Terrible, just terrible. Tom Brady. Um, anyway, he's not helping. It, I mean, he's not bad in real life, but fantasy wise, he's not helping much. Panthers, Lions first. Marvin Jones didn't practice Wednesday. They thought his knee injury on Sunday would be bad. Turns out it's not that bad, but he's day to day. Might not play this week. So if Marvin Jones is out, do they just zone in on Kenny Galladay? Like, do you? Do you if Jones is out, do you look and go, all right, Kenny Galladay's going to get you know thirteen targets?
2: I would, I would think they would do that, but I still think there's extra targets up for grabs. And this is where it's kind of a, a question of, okay, do they start going to one of the tight ends like Roberts or Toilolo? Or do they go a totally different direction? Do they put Theo Riddick on the field and, and kind of right. use him out of the slot and, and do something like that? I mean, there's a couple different ways they can approach it. But yeah, the main takeaway for me is that it would raise the floor for Kenny Galladay quite a bit. We had 13 targets last week in that blowout loss to the Bears. I mean, they made it look closer than it really was. Pulled in six of them for 78 yards and a touchdown. So he's an easy, like, season long play anyway. But I think where it would really pump up his value would be in DFS.
1: All right. Um, Matthew Stafford, still, he's a nun. I'm looking at the weekly projections here. We've got him at 19th. Uh, You know, I know I have him somewhere in the same area. I have him 15th, which is probably generous. I don't know. It's just not happening. I mean, fantasy again. It's it's one of those they're able to run better, which is not great for his fantasy status. You know, he doesn't run at all. They're not scoring a. T- it's just he's. It's too bad, right? I mean, if you draft him late, which I did in a couple of spots, I kind of said, oh, he's been, he's been a top ten fantasy quarterback every year. He just always winds up there, and this year he's not going to wind up there.
2: I just didn't expect them to trade Golden Tate away. I mean, I, right? I, I know it, it doesn't change everything when you have. Gallaudet and Marvin Jones to fall back on but when one of those two guys gets hurt and Tate's gone you start looking at the weapons you're like whoa this is a team that had too many receivers six weeks ago and now you don't know where they're going to go other than Gallaudet through the air like that that's a totally different look so I'm pretty surprised the one thing that stands out to me with, with Stafford this week I mean this is a, a matchup they're, they're at home right they get Carolina in Detroit so that's good and Carolina's defense actually gives up passing TDs. I mean, they've given up yes. 22 passing touchdowns this season. They got 11 picks, so they also force turnovers. But overall, I mean, the efficiency they allow is right around league average and, and teams score against them. So I kind of wonder if Stafford's a little bit sneakier this week than people realize. And again, with some of the, the bye week issues, uh, and again, on and DFS with some of the... Primetime games really taken away some of the high end quarterbacks. You want to find something a little bit different in tournaments. Maybe Stafford's a little under the radar in that regard, but the overall value for him is absolutely down based on the way they've shipped that offense.
1: Okay. Uh, one other uh, note here as you can find on our uh, defense versus position the Lions, and I just uh, this week I picked week five as sort of a, a benchmark. To you know, because I don't want to do the whole season. I want to see if teams have improved. To you know, a little bit. The Lions since week five are, let's see, yeah, they're probably twenty to 20, 20, 20, 26th against opposing fantasy quarterbacks since week five. So we got a cam. I think we got it. I mean, every game's a cam game, but this looks like a cam game.
2: 100%. And his his price uh, is very affordable, too. Something Scott and I will talk about on the DFS pod. Like, he's, on DraftKings, a ridiculous value this week in a very good matchup.
1: All right. Uh, next up, Cowboys-Falcons. Big news for the Falcons. Deion Jones, linebacker, is coming back, most likely. Not definitely, but he's been activated. He's practicing. Saying he broke his foot in week one or two or whatever it was. And they put him on IR uh, with with the return clause. And looks like he's going to be back. Does that do anything? I mean, you know, it doesn't do any- It doesn't do anything actionable for you because, like, oh, well, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott and you're starting Amari Cooper, who does- Deion Jones doesn't affect, and you're not doing much else. I mean, it doesn't it- – it's good for the Falcons' defense, but it doesn't tell a fantasy owner a ton, except that Ezekiel Elliott might have a little bit of a tougher time with a good linebacker in there, right?
2: I mean, uh, yeah, a little bit of a tougher time, but still Zeke's one of the, the top backs on the board this week, and and for good reason. The Falcons are still giving up more than five yards per carry this season. You know, 11 rushing touchdowns, 10 carries of 20-plus yards. I think that's tied for second. There's only one team that's given up more than that. So you're looking at a really good setup for the Cowboys' offense because they're kind of limited in what they can do, but Zeke should easily get 25 carries this week, right? I mean, the game plan, unless they were to fall behind, in which case they should throw him the ball in space because the Falcons have struggled to stop running backs catching passes too. Right. Like, this. this should be a feast for Ezekiel Elliott this week in this matchup, almost regardless of the outcome of the
1: game. See, I think I, I can't, when I saw the spreads this week, mostly low point spreads, by the way, the highest one is eight and a half. Everything else is under a touchdown or touchdown or less. Um, This was one of the more surprising lines to me. I know the Falcons really laid an egg and I probably talked to you and everyone who would listen last week about how I really liked the Falcons in the second half of the year. And they just, they look, I mean, the Browns aren't a bad team they're kind of a slightly less than average probably, but yeah, that was a terrible game for the Falcons. Still three points here. This is telling me these two teams are even, evenly matched except for the home field. I'm not buying that. I think the Falcons are going to smash these guys.
2: Yeah. I I think that's sort of a a popular opinion. By the way, kudos to you for calling the the Titans outright win over the Patriots last week. I kind of laughed at you for that and uh, I got egg on my face as a result of that. But yeah, the the Falcons just seem like a better team to me in in every facet. Like that, even with the injuries defensively, uh, I see them having a little difficulty moving the ball against Dallas's defense. Dallas can can generate a pretty good pass rush, but I just think the Falcons have enough weapons in that offense to find ways to kind of offset that a bit and and still put points on the board. All
1: right, and the Cowboys they had a bunch of injuries last week too, going into the Eagles. I mean, they had a couple of defensive line injuries. Um, I wanna see what their injuries are just to make sure that I am keeping up. Uh Tavon, we don't care about that, right? Do you care about Tavon Austin? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh Taco Charlton out again on Wednesday. Uh David Irving Irving's gonna be out for a few weeks. Sean Lee's gonna be out for a few weeks. Um, I guess the Zach Martin thing, I don't think he's a bad injury, but I'm not positive. Uh, Connor Williams back at limited practice on Wednesday, so that's good for them. But yeah, they were, they were hurt, and that's part of why I thought the Eagles were going to beat them, so I was definitely wrong on that one. Um, the, other, the other one in this game, the Cowboys have been good against the pass, uh, against opposing wide receivers fantasy-wise. Now Byron Jones has been played very well this year, but he's not a shadow corner. So if he doesn't shadow, that leads me to believe that, okay, you scheme Julio open... And then the other guys, fantasy wise, you got to think are going to be in for a rough day.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like there's there's a lot of ways they can they can break down that secondary. Like there's 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 plenty to the like here in this matchup. I, I, you said this is one of those weeks where a lot of the spreads are really close. It's one of those weeks too where there aren't as many uh, gaudy implied totals right. as we've become accustomed to. And I think everyone's going to be looking for a game that kind of hits the over and, and exceeds expectations in that regard. I think this, this game has a chance of being that game.
1: Right. I, th- I, th- I think you could be right on that one. All right, Bengals-Ravens. Um, John Harbaugh being be in cagey with us because Lamar Jackson was a popular fantasy free agent this week, and we don't know. Even if Flacco's out, we're not sure. he. We think he's going to start if Flacco's out, but we're not sure. Flacco didn't practice Wednesday. The Ravens are not telling us a ton about this. Uh, sure sounds like Lamar Jackson is going to be the starter. Flacco's out. and It doesn't sound like Flacco's going to be healthy. If that's the case... If, so if you've got Lamar Jackson sitting on your roster, and let's say your other quarterback is... See, so you would have to be a good quarterback because if you picked up Jackson as your two, it's not like Matthew Stafford's your one, probably, right? You would think? I
2: don't know. I mean, I think you, you just might be in a... In a I, I think any scenario is sort of possible right now. I mean, it, the leagues where where I was trying to chase Lamar Jackson were my two quarterback leagues or my super flex leagues. Like that's, that's where I was like, this is interesting. I should, I should go ahead and make a move here. And what I'm trying to remember, and maybe you recall this, at the end of the preseason, and, and maybe that doesn't matter because it was three months ago, was Robert Griffin playing ahead of Lamar Jackson or was Lamar Jackson following Joe Flacco into games consistently? Like I don't, I don't remember there being any real debate about who the backup was three months ago or at any point in the last three months.
1: I don't either. And I, I wonder if they just, what they've seen from Jackson makes them go, Oh no, this could be a disaster. But I mean, if they play him, it sounds like they're going to start him. So, you know, but but, I think that might be it. And the the, the times I've seen, I I, I joked yesterday, it might've been Tuesday with Jack. I think I joked that the play I can't get out of my head is the play against the Panthers where they ran a trick play on a reverse and he rolled out and he had a guy wide open on the sideline, 10 yards in front of him and he bounced it. You know, like what? And I know he's not always that bad. I get it. But in the preseason, you know, he was he wasn't the most accurate guy. He he had trouble throwing the ball. Um, but if he plays, I don't know that I care how much he throws the ball as long as he runs the ball. And that that's the huge thing because, as I think I said to Jake the other day, the the line I've got in my head is you know 150 yards and a touchdown passing, 50 yards and a touchdown running. Fine with me, right? Totally yeah. fine. Don't care how much, you know, 150 yards passing is okay. With that said, if he starts, I'm starting at, on the Roto-Wire projections, I'm starting at number 17, Lamar Jackson or Eli Manning.
2: <laughs> I think you're playing Eli in that spot.
1: Against like Tampa Bay? I mean, that's, that's a bad defense. Yeah. Eli's been,
2: I mean. You, Eli's horrible, but uh, those
1: Fantasy-wise, weapons, he hasn't been good. I know it's I the
2: mean, If in in this scenario
1: you are assuming that we
2: get confirmation that jackson is starting
1: yes this is this is john harbaugh coming out on friday afternoon saying lamar jackson is my starter on sunday Hmm. yeah that's a good point to draw the line but i my my initial thought
2: and i'm 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 as down on eli manning as anybody I, i i would still probably go with eli
1: so now below eli is dak Lamar or Dak? you like you like Dak, I bet because you think that Cowboys Falcons is going to be high scoring. Yeah, I think that game can hit the over, so I, I would I'd go Dac. Um, the next one down is Stafford and Stafford nineteen, Bortles twenty.
2: Stafford,
1: I would play over
2: Jackson Bortles, and that one that's another one of those games where I think Pittsburgh can score enough to force Jacksonville's hand a little bit. Jackson versus Bortles is is another good toss-up. I okay. think we have Manning too high for whatever that's worth. I think Manning could be next to Bortles, and then that cluster is like the triangle match from hell that you don't want to have to decide between those three players.
1: See, this is definitely a boomer bust play with Jackson because you might not get the running touchdown and you might get a hundred you might get, you know, 113 yards passing. So it's pop, but I don't know. I mean I'm looking at the guys in the middle teens. I'm looking at Kirk Cousins against the Bears and going, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
2: I mean, this is this is one of those offenses that they could run it a lot. They could opt to lean heavily on Alex Collins. They could dump a lot of passes off to Javorius Allen. Maybe we see Ty Montgomery get a little more involved. They have a lot of tight ends, so they could go with a really heavy like short passing game. They have options if they want to shift the offense around for Jackson a little bit. I just they I I can't quite understand why this is a debate for them between Griffin and Jackson.
1: I, I wonder I'm just wondering if I'm getting psyched out by non-information. Maybe, maybe that's it. But you know, they might be they they, they probably know. They know who's going to start if Flacco can't play. They definitely know. Yeah. Like they 100% know.
2: Every single team in the league knows which quarterback is going to start if the starter can't
1: play. Yep. So if Jackson plays again, or heck, even if RG three plays, are, are the are the Ravens' receivers off limits? Are are the the people if you've got Crabtree or John Brown and you're generally ranking, you know, we've generally got them around somewhere between twenty and thirty at wide receiver, and you play them sometimes, but not every time. Do they kind of recede into the background if possible for you?
2: Yes, but it's because I expect the offense to just be totally different. Okay, okay. the play calling to be run heavy the passing game to be really short. And I I just think they'll water it down so much that the target volume for those pass catchers who are normally pretty viable just falls to a level where you're not comfortable.
1: All right. On the other side, last week, you know, AJ Green out. And last week with Green out, you went, Hey, Tyler Boyd. And there was no, Hey, Tyler Boyd. It was what, three for 65, three for 59, something like that. Is, he, is this a bounce-back spot? I know the Ravens are tough, but by process of elimination, unless you think Andy Dalton's going to complete 10 passes, does Tyler Boyd have to step up and, and, and help his fantasy owners again this week? I kind of think Andy
2: Dalton's going to complete 10 passes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you've outlined my, my legitimate fear that the Bengals' offense will really struggle in this spot. Uh, Boyd's a great player. I just think you you're looking at a guy who's getting totally different attention now while AJ Green is out. Baltimore is very good against the pass. Yeah, in, in season long leagues you're playing him, but I'm I'm not looking at this as a great spot for Boyd to get back on track. I mean maybe that makes him a contrarian GPP sort of consideration, but last week he was a cash game play for people because the matchup against the Saints looked so good. Right. And it, the volume wasn't there. Like what what happened to the Bengals' offense last week? It was, a, it was a, a whole disaster. I mean, Dalton was under pressure a lot, and they just didn't really get anything going as far as momentum goes on the offensive side. Right.
1: Remember, uh, remember in the beginning of the season, when everybody was excited about Bill Lazor after the first three games?
2: And oh, now, yeah. no, even, well. even, even a couple weeks ago still, I, I think there was a, hey, Bill Lazor is, is a great NFL offensive mind. Yeah. And, and now they hired I, you, Jackson. That that is. Did you talk about that earlier in the week? No. That's just weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know there's like, familiarity there and everything, but man, like, let Bill Lazor finish the season. Like, was was Hugh Jackson going to get scooped up by some other
1: team? Like between now and the end right. of this season, like, what what are you doing, Bengals? Uh, so yeah, they say that he's not going to have any involvement in the offense. That's what Marvin Lewis said. Then why is he yeah, there? I, I don't know. I mean,
2: take – take. Hugh, Hugh has this opportunity to do what I think just about all of us would do. Hugh could go on sabbatical for the rest of this season. Yep. Hugh could find a hammock on a beach somewhere and just chill for the next two, three, four, five, six months, however long he wants. He's got the money to do it. And he's like, nope, got to get back. Got to get back to work. Got to go work for the Bengals. Got to go be the shrewd in Cincinnati. <laughs> To Marvin Lewis is Michael Scott. Like that's like, what are you doing? Like, what? take oh, wow. some time wow. off. That's
1: that's a good analogy. I like that one.
2: It, somebody on Twitter came up with it. I don't even remember where I saw it. It was one of those things where I, I checked Twitter too early in the morning. Yeah, and I, I saw somebody refer to Hugh Jackson as the the assistant to the head coach or something. And <laughs> Your assistant tied it, to
1: the regional manager. Yeah, yeah. They tied tied it back to Schroot and I'm like, that is perfect. <gasps> He's right. not going to run the offense, though, everybody. It's okay. No, he's in an unscripted role. Um, Titans-Colts. By the way, I mentioned it to him the other day. I love the, I love the schedule this week. I love all the. There's so many sneaky good games, and this is one of them. Uh, Titans-Colts, are you? So last week, Derrick Henry's owners were just beside themselves before last week. I mean, the whole season's just been a debacle for him as a fantasy player. So now, I mean, but the, you know, against the Chargers, he got the touchdown. And against the Cowboys, he got the touchdown. But he's not getting the ball, and he's not getting the snaps and whatever. And then last week, they had that big win. He goes 11 for 58-2. and two. Are you, Derek, if you're a Derrick Henry owner, are you back in? He only played 16 snaps last week, by the way. What do you do? So I think with a guy like Henry,
2: the snap count isn't. Totally important, just because mm-hmm. they have another guy that they use for a lot of other running back functions with Deion Lewis when he's on the field, he gets carries, but the care okay, the carry load let's just go back five weeks, five games eleven seven, twelve six, and eleven mm-hmm. with uh, a total of five catches he averages one catch per game of the last five he's just td dependent like that's that's what it is, and he's he's on a touchdown heater I mean if you believe this offense is going to be in the position to put up 25-plus points, then yeah, there's a good chance Henry scores again. But he's probably going to get you 12 fantasy points as more of like a ceiling most weeks. And it's hard to imagine failing a two-touchdown game or a 60-yard touchdown run. It's really hard to imagine Derrick Henry giving you more than a dozen fantasy points in a given game as long as Deion Lewis is healthy.
1: All right. I think you're right. I have him 26th. The Roto-Wire Weekly Projections have him at 32, at running back. Uh, by the way, Marlon Mack owners last week, last game was a disappointment. And since week five, which I mentioned is my arbitrary start point, the best fantasy defense versus opposing running backs has been the Titans. So Marlon Mack owners, you're playing them, but it's not the easiest spot that you could find them in. Texans Redskins. Can Adrian Peterson run on the Texans?
2: I guess. I mean,
1: good. <laughs> the Texans, though, the last
2: five weeks have also been pretty good against the run. So this is a, a challenging spot. I mean, they think got the a team that's coming off the bye that can generate a lot of offense, as Houston can. And it, it puts Washington on their back foot. It puts them on their heels and puts them in a position to where they may have to throw. That is the week-to-week concern that everyone has with Adrian Peterson. And I'm not crazy about the matchup, given how well Houston's been playing against the run. So I think he's fringy again for me. I think he's more of
1: a flex play, even with a bunch of teams on by. The Rotowire wire projections have him at RB22. I have him higher than that because of workload, probable workload. But So on the other side of this, Lamar Miller had that really – how many weeks ago was that? The game against on the Thursday night uh, was Miami. So it was only the, week before, the game before last because they had a bye last week. He ran really well, but Alfred Blue came in. You know, they were up by a a lot, and Alfred Blue played. Then the last game against the Broncos was close, and Albert Blue got 15 carries. Like, what? as a Lamar Miller owner, what the heck are you doing? I mean, Albert Blue's not running for any yards. You know, I mean, he's on the field, and he's getting the ball. I mean, he, you know, I could run for two fewer yards a carry than Alfred Blue. But, I mean, what, what are we doing with Lamar? Like, how scared are you if you own Lamar Miller about this? Because the Redskins on defense, pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think
2: Miller and Adrian Peterson are kind of similar in terms of value. the the only The only difference is that Miller won't completely disappear if Houston's playing catch up the right. way that Peterson does. But I think they have a similar amount of week to week appeal. They, they both have these strange warts, and I I don't understand the fascination with Alfred Blue. I mean. You, Alfred Blue is the the running back equivalent of of Hugh Jackson. Where you're just like, what? Why? Why would you do this? But they keep doing it. I think Miller's fine, but I I think you, you know that aside from any threat that Blue might kind of provide every week, Deshaun Watson can take off and run in the red zone and, and pile up the occasional rushing TD as well. So just kind of a, a mediocre filler type and. A guy that's mostly floor and, and not a lot of ceiling.
1: Right. I mean, And the Redskins here, the, the Redskins' implied point total in this game is a little under 20. So, I mean, there's not, I mean, maybe Peterson, other than that, I don't know. I mean, you know, Jordan Reed, ugh, the receivers, they're all, Crowder's hurt. You know, who knows when he's coming back. He was close to starting last week, and now he's, you know, they don't know. So it's a mess. Except for, yeah, I know Jake Letarski going to start Josh Doxon somewhere. Other than that, I don't know. I was joking around about that the other day. Like, are you going to recommend Josh Doxon again? And he, he did. He,
2: he loves Doxon. He doesn't does.
1: He? maybe he'll be right. Last week he got a touchdown, right?
2: Yeah, Uh-oh. Houston's actually been pretty stingy against the pass too. Like, this is this is a you know not I don't know, like a surprisingly strong defense. Isn't necessarily fair, but it, with health, with JJ Watt being healthy, that changes a lot. And just overall, they they're playing at a, a much higher level defensively than they were to begin the season. Like the first two, three games, Houston looked like a disaster, and they've really turned things around over the last eight weeks.
0: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All
1: right, Giants-Bucks, uh, the game we mentioned earlier. This is, a, this is a weird fantasy game. The over-under is 52, which is, a, is it the highest on the board besides the Monday night game? No, Saints and, uh, Saints and Eagles are 56. But this is a weird game because we, we try to what we try to do on this show is, is help people you know what am i going to do about player x who's a maybe in this game i mean i think like eli is probably only a bye week option the other giants you know you're playing barkley you're playing obj you're probably playing shepherd you're playing ingram at this point on the bucks i mean who's the maybe deshaun jackson peyton barber who is it yeah, the, the
2: running back situation for them is is just very messy. And last week, the snap distribution was Peyton Barber, 48 percent. Jacquis Rogers, 38 percent. And Sean Wilson, 14 percent. So, yeah, you got to get that third guy in there whenever you can. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing
1: that. Thanks, Dirk Cutter. Calling the place. Thank you. What, what was why? Yeah, why know. did he do that? Like, he said he had his reasons like. He, Tell he, us your reason. Did you hear what the reason? I, I read the reason. What was the reason? He said, and I, we, I think we talked about this, mon- Tim and I talked about it Monday, about how, yeah, we agree with you. That was a terrible, like, you know, he tried to fix something that wasn't broken. But he said that because of the way the Redskins play, he wanted to slow things down and keep the offense on the field longer so that the defense wouldn't stay on the field for too long. I think that was the gist of the argument. <laughs> I know. It
2: seems like a direction that your offensive coordinator could completely understand. <laughs> if right. you trust him to call plays in other games, you'd say, hey, let's, let's slow the tempo down a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Is, isn't just the basic marker of a good or bad boss their their willingness to allow people on their staff to handle responsibilities in a certain manner. Like I feel like a bad boss does exactly what Dirk cutter does. swoops in and, and gets really handsy when he doesn't need to. Right. And a good boss Agreed. would just give the direction and trust that it's going to get done in one way or another, like,
1: especially with your star employee.
2: Yeah. The, the guy that the guy that will have a head coaching job somewhere, probably in five years is Todd Munkin. It's not Dirk Cutter. Right. But, and I, I think, I think like a good leader is not intimidated by having somebody on their staff who's talented. You, you want someone who covers your blind spots. You want someone who basically takes your weaknesses and makes them strengths for your team. Like yep. that's, that's what you want. That's what a good leader can do and can recognize. Dirk Cutter, not a good leader, not a good head coach,
1: because he gets in his own way. Yeah, it's just it was just a weird... I mean, they moved the ball. They just kept turning it over. Um, the Another maybe guy, so our projections, number 31 at wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, snap percentage-wise, he was out there more than Chris Godwin
2: last week, but less than Humphreys. Hum- Humphreys is just kind of settling in close to 80% of the snaps these last two weeks now. It's kind of
1: wild. Um, By the way, Godwin didn't practice Wednesday. Hurt ankle, so keep an eye on that one. There's a to start him at that point, especially with Humphreys, you know, muscling him out. But um, all right, the other thing in this game, I want to see where we have the tight end rankings. The Giants, George Kittle just torched them on Monday night. And they stopped using him, right? Right, they stopped using him. I mean, (laughs) it was, I, I joked around on Twitter that at halftime his target share was 94%. And then they just stopped throwing to him. Yeah, it was it was mind boggling Um, because I would have thrown to him every single, literally every single play. I would have thrown the ball when I didn't give it to Breda. I would have thrown it to him. Is this a? I think the Giants do struggle in that area. Uh, Is 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 this an OJ Howard? I mean, uh, it's another one. You're starting OJ Howard if you have him, but is this kind of a rub your you know hand fingers together like Mister Burns and get really excited?
2: I think it's just kind of an average matchup. I mean, I, I um. I'm not going to go too far down the George Kittle ate him up last week rabbit hole, but I I, I think I believe that Tampa Bay understands the value that OJ Howard presents. And you will, do you think that? I think they get it. I, 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 but this is another one of those situations, just like Aaron Jones a few weeks ago, where it's like how 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 is how is this in any sort of doubt? How do we look at missions and and have to say oh we think the team likes this player? He had two targets last week. I know. I don't know. How I that mean, is, is that is that probably the biggest tactical failure as it, far as the game plan goes last week, right?
1: Right. And, you know, it's interesting because you wonder now. what We talked about with the play calling if it goes back to Munkin, and I, ha- I don't know what they're going to do. I haven't read anything this week about Cutter saying, you know, yeah, no, I am going to give it back. But the four previous games receptions four, five, five, four with four touchdowns for Howard. And and I, again, I don't. I mean. It, we it's we criticize we, and we joke when we criticize. Sometimes we're not joking for sure. They certainly appreciate OJ Howard. I think I've joked around here with with you and other people that the best thing that OJ Howard can do for his fantasy value is to miss a few blocks, mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't make him stay in and do that anymore. But he's re, he's so good, and and I hope. I mean, I I think this is a really nice spot for him. And I know you know because Kittle got nine receptions. Or something doesn't mean the Giants are horrendous that way, but. They've, they've had intermittent trouble with tight ends. And, and I think that, I don't know, I, I really like this spot for Ajay. I mean, the projection system, our projection system has him has as the fourth best tight end. And that's partly a function of, you know, the tight end position is terrible. But I think it's a good spot for him. And we got, we got a guy who's
2: 23 games into his career now, second season. He's getting more than 11 yards per target at the tight end spot. Yeah. He's got 17 catches that have gone for 20 plus yards in right. his first two seasons. He's a beast. He's really, really good. Yeah. Like if if he's not a if, if okay, so you you have a bad running game situation in Tampa Bay. You've had it all year. You have Mike Evans and OJ Howard in the passing game, plus Godwin and Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. If if you wanted to go full Mike Leach and just basically stop running the ball. You'd be totally justified in doing that. Yep. With, this, with this personnel you have.
1: Fitz, Fitz Air Raid, baby. Do yeah. it.
2: Let, let Fitz throw it 45 times a game by design. hmm. Jameis Air Raid. You want to pad
1: Jameis' stats, bring him back and put him into an air raid. That'd be fun. You don't want Jameis to throw it 45 times because he's going to throw five picks. He probably will, but he'll get 450 yards and he'll make his fantasy owners happy. I don't care well, about Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll throw five picks and fumble two times. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. Steelers Dags, the final one o'clock game. This is another game, even more so than the Giants-Bucks, because we did, we did find a couple of maybes. Who's the maybe in this game? Because I'm looking at the Steelers, both sides, and I go, all right, the players who are lockdown starts, no doubt about it, if you have them, are Roethlisberger, Connor, Antonio, Juju, and Leonard Fournette. And then, other than, you know, an idiot like me starting James O'Shaughnessy in Fishbowl, who, who else in this game do you look at it and you got, I mean, hey, I'd like to start this guy. Vance McDonald, maybe? Who else? Who on the Jags? None of the receivers at this point. They're a disaster.
2: Yeah, Vance is fine. The Jags are struggling against tight ends the last five, mm-hmm. six weeks now. That's been a, a problem. And he, it just seems like McDonald's kind of wrestled away the significant share of the, the routes and the targets at the tight end position. For the Jags, it, it's tricky because I think Dante Moncrief, is probably the safest of the receivers. You like him. I don't think he's the most talented of the receivers. I just think they, the consistency relative to the other receivers, again, relative to the other receivers, has been there, and it's been there in the form of, of red zone targets. Like that, that's where he kind of keeps popping up for me. And even then, I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's still less than I want from a typical wide receiver. It's like eh, It's less consistent than I thought, too.
1: Why did I think he was getting more red zone targets? I don't know because he's got long touchdowns. Well, he's only yeah. got three touchdowns. got a little, last week he got the long one. If he, you look at, he, he, by the way, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I talked about this with Jake. The advanced stats, the player pages. Whoever worked on who worked who's in charge of that? That's Aaron. Oh my God, this is so great.
2: Yes, this has been they're, such they're, a great addition. They're
1: very good. Yeah. So I'm looking at Don, you. Look at Dante Moncrief. You know, percentage of teams air yards and the percentage of the teams targets and. His average depth of target all way above average. I mean, there's justification here. If you look at all the big green lines on this player page on RotoWire, there's you, you can you can you can see a justification why Dante Moncrief should be your favorite Jags receiver. Yeah, I mean, and I think maybe part of it for me has been the targets:
2: uh, fourteen going back to Week Five against the Chiefs, three in that weird blowout loss at Dallas, ten against Houston, seven against Philadelphia, only four against the Colts last week. Do you think their game plan with Leonard Fournette's return last week shifted much more heavily to run first? Because yes. Fournette played well, and at their best, they will limit what Blake Bortles has to do. It's pretty obvious, right? Hide him, absolutely. So, I mean, again, if the maybe for me is Moncrief because he's flashed a few double-digit tight end or double-digit target games. His occasional little spurts where he's getting lots of looks in the red zone. And as he pointed out, those the air yards per game, air yards per snap, percentage of team air yards, all very favorable. It's just the, the catch rate's low. So it's, it's risky in that regard. But he's been efficient in a lot of ways, even though the up and down nature of the total volume he's getting earlier in the year, especially, has made him so frustrating to have.
1: Dante Moncrief, wide receiver, 40 in the road projections for the week. D.D. Westbrook, 38. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't I'm, know. Not gonna, I'm not going
2: to go to the mat on that one, I, but I'd I. Him. Yeah. The, the, same, the same sort of target fluctuation occurs with Westbrook. Right. So I, I don't know. I just think Moncrief as a bigger target also makes more sense in the red zone.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Eagles, Saints. Pretty high over under. Um, are you, so I was satisfied. Golden Tate only played 18 snaps Sunday night and they had the bye week and you watched it and you, and and you kind of go, what the heck? Peterson said that on the first few series, after the third series, the Eagles went up tempo and it's a lot of code words and guys moving around. And he kind of was like, you know what? He's, he hasn't been here long enough. I just didn't, I didn't want to put him in that situation. I'm satisfied with that explanation of them not using Golden Tate very much, and I am fine starting him this week if I have him. Are you? Um,
2: I, you could do worse because the matchup is so favorable. I, I just think this is a normal sort of thing we're going to see with players that get traded. It, it, we see it all the time where it just takes several weeks to get up to speed. We saw it even with Jay Ajayi at the running back position last year when the Eagles traded for him. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of things the Eagles try to do offensively. We know it's a fairly complex offense so that it could take him a few weeks to get up to speed. Not a big surprise with Golden Tate. I mean, I'd play him over the two Jags receivers we just talked about. If that's sort of a, yeah. a starting point of who do you who do you like less than Golden Tate? Well, the entire Jags receiving core.
1: Right. Definitely. Where is he on the projections? I can't find it. Oh, no. See a ghost? 42nd. Uh, yeah, right. No. So
2: he's, in, he's in the same cluster, but
1: I, I'd put him ahead of those guys. Okay. Our, our player page. No, this, sorry, this over under is 56. I said 52. It's 56. My bad. Yeah, this is a nice one. Um, yeah, 42nd. I don't buy that for Tate. I got to tell you, I really like Wentz here. I, I'm, I am excited to start Carson Wentz. Because, I mean, they don't—the eagle. I, I love when they, they're, they're playing in a game that they're going to have to keep up the pace on scoring, and they don't run well. Like, this is just—this is a jackpot spot for Wentz for me. I think this
2: line's a little big, too. I, I think yeah. Philly can keep it closer than that. I don't think they're going to go in there and, and win. But this is a team whose season is almost hanging in the balance. Like, we're right. 4-5, and five, the, the East is still— close enough where they're not dead if they lose this week. But they, I think they're going to go in there and, and play well. I, I'm with you on Wentz. Um, if I'm pairing him with anybody for like a DFS purpose, Elshon Jeffrey or Ertz would be the first two options. And it just kind of comes down to the, the rest of the the lineup construction. Maybe you could go with a full stack. I mean, it, it's going to be easy to to want exposure to both sides of this yep. game. I, I totally get it. And uh, with the Saints, I just think they're they're firing on all cylinders right now. Things are things are peaking already for them. And do you have any concerns about the the core pieces of that offense right now? I mean, you're using Ingram in season long, of course. Camaro's a lock, whatever. Thomas is a lock, but like, what do you do with Traquan Smith right now?
1: Well, that's the th- that's the thing here because they're the Eagles are hurt in a corner, so. And the Saints, the Saints, you know, the, the, the usage tree is kind of kind on of the skinny side. But is there another? Do you, I mean, do you want to – do you look at this game and – I mean, I, I look at them and I go, all right, let's – the implied total is about 32, right? But it's like that every week with these guys. And Traquan Smith still doesn't get a lot. So, I mean, why do I want to do that? It's a, I mean, you can make an argument here, but you can make that argument every week and it just kind of never works out.
2: Yeah, he's, he's had more than four targets once. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not good.
1: It's not good. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where else to go. You know, I'd love to make an argument for somewhere else to go, but I don't think it exists. I don't think it's a smart play. So it's, you know, like you said, it's Thomas, Mara, and, and Ingram, and that's that. Um, I mean, Ben Watson is, you know, yeah, eh, he's, like, again, because the tight end position is so bad, you could do it. It's not great. Broncos Chargers. Royce Freeman back for the Broncos most likely. He practiced Wednesday, sounds like he's good. The last time we saw Royce Freeman, he got hurt in week 7. So before that, the two games before that, he outsnapped Philip Lindsay. He didn't now carry him, but he outsnapped him. Do you does a Philip Lindsay owner need to be concerned here? A little bit. I mean, I I just think this is an
2: ugly timeshare where both players are are good enough to get more, but both are good enough to stay on the field. I I don't think we're seeing any significant sort of of drop-off when we look at Phillip Lindsay over these last three games or so. Uh, All the same concerns I had about Royce Freeman pre-injury are still there now that he's back from it. You know, I think they had the, the luxury because of Lindsay to give him all the time he needed to get back to 100%. And I'm looking at Freeman and I'm still thinking he's kind of fringy, kind of a flex option just because of the way things are are running right now in that Denver backfield. And I think the other concern is that the chargers can put a lot of points on the board and kind of force Denver
1: to throw it a lot. Right. Um, We've got Lindsey RB 21 and Freeman RB 31 on the road to our weekly projections. Chargers side of things. Actually one more on the Broncos. The chargers have been pretty tough. Again, we're going to the last five weeks. They have been the third best team against opposing wide receivers. I think Emmanuel Sanders' owners are fine. I think the Cortland Sutton owners might want to chill out this week.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that.
1: Okay. Um, the other thing in this game, I'm, I'm still on the, I'm the anti Williams on the Chargers. I don't want to see any Williams' in people's starting lineups. No Williams for you? No, they don't get thrown to enough, especially Mike. Yeah, if you're, playing, if you're playing one of the Williams's, it's Tyrell, yeah. for
2: sure, right I now, mean, just because the targets are there.
1: And either one Relative. of them could get a 50-yard touchdown, and it wouldn't shock me. I still don't want to play them. So um, that's just what they do now. Raiders-Cardinals. Oof, this is a bad fantasy game. What's we Over under 40 and a
2: half?
1: Is still there? Hold on. 40 and a,
2: a, a, game, half. a game that can almost be ignored.
1: Well, maybe. In the two Byron-Leftwich games, remember the story? I think we talked about it last week. I know I talked about it with Tim on Monday. That last week, Leftwich said he talked to Bruce Arians, and I guess the story was that Arians told him, just run every, just completely focus on David Johnson and Fitz. Well, in the two games, Leftwich has been the offensive coordinator. David Johnson has 48 touches, 283 yards from scrimmage, and he scored two touchdowns last week. Fitz, 22 targets, 14 receptions. So wh- wh- whoever, brought, whoever came up with the idea, they are certainly following through with that plan. So if if you were basically at the end of your rope with Fitz, I think you're, you're I think you're out of the woods and, and he's going to be he's going to help you in PPR. He's not going to be, you know, last year's fits and catch eight passes a game, but he's pretty good.
2: Oh, yeah, he's he's fine. Like as a, a floor guy in PPR leagues and as your lower end receiver on DraftKings when the price slides a little bit. Oakland's not good against the pass. They're not good against the run. This is another good David Johnson week. The ongoing question I have is is twofold. One on the Arizona side is, between Christian Kirk and Ricky Seals-Jones, is there another player, a third player you trust in the Arizona offense and on the Oakland side? Can they do anything? Can they shake out of this? Can they find a way to start putting points on the board to at least be useful as like a garbage time sort of team or, or anything? Or are they just going to be a total
1: flat tire for the rest of the season? Um, they're gonna be a total flat tire. There's nothing to like, and I don't think it's getting better. You, you're gonna get random good games from people because someone has to get something. But generally, no. The one guy I do want to point out, though, uh, Jalen Richard. He's still 45% on Yahoo, which means he's gettable in some cases. 30 receptions in his last five games. If you need, I mean, a lot of guys off this week. If you need a, P, you know, at eight to ten point PPR guy. In the backfield, see if he's available. Uh, Doug Martin, on the other hand, 15 touches a game since Lynch got hurt. But probably, I mean, the Cardinals defense has actually been decent. So I I don't really want to, again, bye week, fine. I don't really want to start Doug Martin.
2: No, and like the receivers are banged up. Uh, Martavis Bryant is going to be out for a little while. Jordy Nelson's got a bone bruise. Uh, So those two guys are, I mean, Bryant's not playing at all. and, And Nelson, I think, is questionable at best. Yeah. So that could open up targets for Brandon LaFell. Yay. Dwayne Harris. I mean, it's just. Seth Roberts. (laughs) Can you even. I'm not a Derek Carr guy. But at a certain point,
1: can you even evaluate him anymore with with the personnel they're running out there with him? I agree with you. It's bad. It's really bad. So um, do we have him as our bottom? I want to see if we have him as our bottom rated quarterback of the starters. Yes, he's 26th. So. Um, Vikings Bears do you think this looks to be a defensive game over under 45 so um, don't ex- even though there's some good offensive players here I don't know that I expect fireworks do you, do you think Dalvin Cook is fine now he played before the bye he looked really good he touched the ball a decent amount all's well but Latavius Murray still played. Do you think they're going to keep doing that? Or do you think at some point they're just going to give Dalvin Cook the keys, or do you think they're going to look at his history and go, you know what, we we need we might need to manage him, and let's you know give Latavius Murray eight to ten carries a game. I think if you go back to the first two games before
2: cook was hurt. It was 80, 20 in terms of snaps in week one and 68, 32 favoring cook in week two. And then that was the week overtime against the Packers. I think is when he hurt that leg. And I think that's more indicative of where they're trying to go. I think it, it makes perfect sense to kind of gradually get back there. Just kind of increase the workload slowly. Try not to uh, cause them to have a setback. And once you get to the fantasy playoffs leading into the stretch run for the season, that's when you're going to see cook kind of get back to that 75 25 sort of split. Murray's Murray's good enough to spell him anyway. Like it's not, it's not not egregious to put Latavius Murray on the field. Right. So yeah, maybe these next couple of weeks, it's a little closer to even than it will be. But I think once we get to these last three or four regular season games, if everything's holding up physically for Delvin cook, that's when they go back to uh, lead back,
1: like true lead back status for him. Okay. Um, The Bear I feel like the Bears there's a lot of guys on the fence for the Bears. Like their whole fantasy everyone's fantasy status, and you can disagree with me, is sort of on the fence. I mean I'm looking at the running backs. We've got Jordan Howard at running back twenty five. All right, we have Tariq Cohen eighteen. We have Trubisky at QB thirteen. We have Allen Robinson at uh, wide receiver 24. So he's inside of the, you know, I mean, who do you like on the Bears on offense here? They have the too many weapons problem. Like they, it's just what they, what they've
2: got. I mean, I I think Allen Robinson is probably going to draw a tough matchup here. That's, that's the, that's one concern. And I think what you get is maybe a spot where Burton pops up a little bit and Miller pops up a little bit. But because they use both running backs and because they throw the ball to Cohen a a good bit too, I'm not overwhelmingly confident in the guys that I like in this matchup. Like Burton and Miller get a bump up for me, but they don't get the kind of bump up where it's uh, an automatic lock. I'm kind of grateful this is a Sunday night game from a daily perspective because – it erases it from the main slates. Anthony Miller, I think with so many teams on by, probably is above the Jacksonville receiver line to where he's in. In leagues where you start three receivers and you're getting a full point for every catch, Miller's in this week. Okay. Burton, because of the tight end mess, probably in this week. We have Miller.
1: Wide receiver forty three. Part of the glob. Part of the glob, yep. And Burton at tight end seven. Even though I don't like him anymore. Finally, Monday night, um, Fantasy Christmas arrives on November 19th. The game we've been waiting for. Chiefs-Rams. I've been talking about this on here for a month. You're probably sick of me talking about it. But 63.5 over under. Highest in NFL history. Game has been moved from Mexico City to Los Angeles. Um, so we don't have to be worried about the field conditions from a fantasy standpoint. I was. And now we're not. It, it, this, this game, though, it's the opposite Of some of the other games we talked about. I talked about a bunch of fence sitters. Who's a fence sitter here? Josh Reynolds? Gerald Everett? That's it, right? Everybody else. I mean, roll. Go. Have fun. I think the thing I
2: like about these teams is it's pretty clear. Like, who's involved and who's not. Mm -hmm. Like, for both of them. And if if you need to throw darts because there's a million bye weeks, then it's great that these two teams are playing each other with the highest over-under ever. Because then you can talk yourself into the Reynolds, the Everts, the Conleys, even with the players ahead of them healthy. right? If there's that many points scored, unusual stuff could happen along the way. Right. But yeah, I think, I think these are two teams that just have pretty straightforward hierarchies in, in where the touches are going to go and who's going to provide value most weeks.
1: The weird thing about Reynolds is that it, the games that Cup was out, Reynolds got a lot of, he was on the field all the time and they still didn't really throw to him. I mean, in week eight, they he he got, you know, he got a couple of touchdowns, but he only got he got three catches.
2: Yeah, that was that was a weird a weird sort of line, but yeah, eighty four and eighty eight percent of the snaps. I mean, they go three wide a lot in that offense, and he's he's the clear cut winner to me. Uh, we we didn't really see significant changes otherwise with that personnel. So unless Sean McVay has got something different cooked up this time around with Cup down. Uh, I I think reynolds is is right in there with that 35 to 40 range group of wide receivers we've been talking about because he's on the field so much in an offense that is projected to score a ton
1: and he's still only 34 percent owned on yahoo He got picked up a lot this week, but he's still you know available more two-thirds of leagues if you need a wide receiver Um, he's worth checking out everett's the other one that I mean he got it It was last week when he got the touchdown? Yeah, he finally got the touchdown. But he still he doesn't he's not on the field that much. When he goes on the field, it's to catch the ball because Higby blocks. But I mean, even when Cup was out and you go, well, hey, maybe some of the targets funnel toward him. Yeah, weeks five and six he got three and four. I mean, again, bad position. But you know, it's a dart throw more than a hey, I can see the logic in his work kind of getting a nice uptick because Mm -hmm. you're hoping rather than really thinking it's going to happen um i can't wait to watch this game though what, what else you got going on uh nothing out of the ordinary
2: i got the xm show tomorrow morning with mario 11 a.m eastern Sirius xm fantasy sports radio got the friday pod with you got the dfs pod with scott this afternoon so lots of football over the next 24 hours how about you
1: um nothing. i've learned to really appreciate uh mario's ranting um in his writing and on twitter he just lets it fly. He I mean, does. I, I respect that. Yeah. He really just, no holding back at all. So, yeah, where you and I are, you know, we're so nice. <laughs> I,
2: I'm generally nice. I have, <laughs> I have moments of weakness often induced by McCarthy.
1: <laughs> there you go. You all do. Your whole, your whole office it's crack, still cracks me up. I tell people about it all the time. I'm like, oh, I know a whole bunch of guys in Madison, Wisconsin who detest Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I think Joe is the most extreme. He's, Which is strange because he's he's the most calm most yeah. of the time. He he, I mean he when he did when you were in Arizona and he did the podcast with me, his his he kept saying that his best case scenario, if said if you're a Packer fan, the best case scenario is that they lose every game the rest of the year, so that McCarthy is sure to get fired.
2: He gets fired if they don't make the playoffs.
1: You're probably right.
2: I mean, I, I just think that's that's the bar right now. If you miss that, then yeah. there's not really any room. It, it, it's like staying at a party too long. I think that's kind of what's happening here. I think so. I would love to see Rodgers with some great offensive coach. I think it'd be fantastic. I just I wish we had time travel for a lot of reasons, but one of them would be that McCarthy could have been fired and they could have hired Sean McVay like that. Yeah, Im- imagine Rodgers with Sean McVay designing
1: an offense. Yeah, for him. It'd be the greatest thing ever. It'd be so. It'd be fun. All right, uh, folks, listen to Shore podcast. Get a free 10 day roadwire trial at slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now. slash pod. Please leave reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate them. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek and I will be back on Friday afternoon to cover the latest news and injuries. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?